It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Postgame Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. As usual, regular listeners to this show know that we've done this for, I guess, it's been three or four or five years um, going on that long. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. I've got two guests with me tonight, and uh, we're not doing these on YouTube, so you guys have to be relegated to my description. I've got a former point guard for North Carolina, Mr. Dewey Burke. How you doing, Dewey? I'm great, Tommy. Good to be with you, as always. Good to be yep. back. Yep. It's hard to believe that it's uh, already here. I think they said something like 278 days or something since the last Carolina basketball game. What a crazy year 2020 has been. And for this show, we've also got Mr. Michael Brooker. If folks of this podcast remember, we did a 40 club with Michael Brooker back. God, it's been a while. It was during the pandemic, but it all runs together. But uh, Mike, uh, appreciate you joining us. He's going to be with us. We're going to sort of rotate the schedule so we don't pile everybody uh, pilot on everybody, assuming Carolina plays 27 games, which that might be tough. But anyway, Brooke, welcome to the show, man. Uh, thanks so much for having having me. I'm uh, really excited to be a part of things this year. And um, yeah, that uh, 40 Club back in May uh, during the pandemic was a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to, to being a small part of this. Yeah. And if uh, if you guys haven't listened, uh, Shaman Williams, we did one with him the other day. And I don't know how much y'all know of his story or have heard him. That was a fantastic podcast for you guys should check it out. A lot of stuff that you guys are intimately familiar with. And if people are listening to this that haven't listened to it or watched it, I'd check it out. Shaman was a treat for us. And this 40 clubs are a good deal. And Dewey, we got to get you on one someday Love soon. To. Yeah, for sure. So let's look while we're here, gentlemen, 79, 60 North Carolina beat college of Charleston in a empty Smith center. So, Dewey, let me come to you first uh, and get both of you guys' takeaway of that. What would it be like playing in an empty gym, especially the Smith Center? Uh, Looked like friends and family are – it's my understanding each player got a couple tickets to the game. So, there was, you know, two dozen, three dozen people there. Dewey, how would that be? How weird would that be? Certainly on television, it didn't feel like a game. I mean, you'd be lying if you said it did. I mean, even the difference between what we just watched and what we watched with the NBA, the way that they did it, piping in the crowd noise. And I don't know, I kind of got used to that watching the NBA games. And it sounded more like a real game to me, even though it looked a little different. And you got used to what it looked like in the bubble in Orlando. Nothing about this looked right. It was just off and and cavernous and, and weird. So for us, I think on TV, it was very strange. My sense, though, other than the crowd noise, which you do feed off when good things are happening, my sense would be that the players kind of just got lost in it and were fine. They had enough to worry about with Coach being on them and the first game jitters and all the things they were feeling. My sense, I don't know, my sense would be that for the guys, pretty quickly it felt normal, but for everybody else, for Coach, for the staff, for the – for everybody involved in putting a game on and, and for us watching, 
nothing about that felt normal. I know it was bizarre. And Mike, just, just watching, I mean, they've reconfigured the Smith center. They've got all the social distance and stuff on the bench. A lot of people were, were commenting about it. It just like Dewey said, it just felt weird to me. I mean, it's basketball ultimately, but there's a big difference playing in front of nobody and flight praying, playing in front of 20,000, isn't it? Oh, most, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, especially the, um, an arena the size of the Smith Center. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was a smaller arena and, a, you know, a different field. But you, like, like Dewey said, it's cavernous, it's gigantic. And just to see nobody in the stands and the bleachers push back, and it almost felt like you were probably watching like one of those super secret scrimmages they do before the season, you know, or, or a camp, a summer camp game. Yeah, the, like, like a pickup game, summer. right, bro? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it's it like it weird. But, uh, you know, I don't know how much of it, like you said, maybe help some of the guys just to, to, to drown out and not have all the crowd involved and just focus on the floor and whatnot. But I'm sure it was odd not not hearing the, the cheers when things went well and, and feeding off the energy of the crowd as well. So they kind of had to generate their own um, energy, which which is difficult at times, I'm sure. So Let me say with you, Mike, on that crowd issue, sort of the discussion is it's going to help when Carolina's starting two freshmen in the backcourt. It might help them. But I started thinking as I was watching the game, um, but it also kind of helps you to get that crowd, that appreciation, right? I mean, there's a two-sided coin there. Certainly it helps College of Charleston. You don't have the crowd beating on you and all that stuff. But for Carolina guys, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis specifically, how do you think it affected their game or their mindset going into the game uh, tonight? I mean, it's just, like I said, I I don't know if there's any comparison, but. I doubt they've played in gyms that empty in a long, long time. No, I, I highly doubt that. And, you know, they obviously are very electric type players and highly skilled guys that, that make a lot of exciting plays. So they, they're probably used to feeding off that energy um, and turning it into defense. So they had to kind of create their own tonight. And I thought they did a pretty good job with that overall. Um, I'm, I'm assuming with the, the amount of freshmen we play and the guard play that, you know, going on the road, it might be beneficial, you know, where, uh, on the flip side, it might help us a little more on the road where you have the hostile crowd normally though now where they can just settle in and focus on playing and be able to hear the coaches and hear their teammates a little better. And uh, so maybe on the flip side, it'll help us being so young in the road atmospheres. Absolutely. It's a, it's an interesting dynamic and it will be that way. I can't imagine it changing all year. Um, Maybe some places down South, there might be some more fans in it. Dewey, first time since 05, 06, Coach Williams has started two freshmen in the backcourt to start the season. That was Bobby and Marcus. Uh, what do you think was going through the Caleb Love and R.J. Davis's head leading up to this one? You know, I, as Brooke was talking, I was just thinking about, you know, when you sign to play at a place like Carolina, there, there are things that you have witnessed on TV, on your visit, that you that you think that you're going to do, right? And so one of those things is – the first time you put the jersey on on the day of the game, right? It's like it's it's finally here. I'm I'm gonna put my jersey on for the first time for real, and then I'm gonna run out in a t- in through the tunnel to twenty thousand fans, and so they got to do like half of it, and that's really strange. And and even if you're Garrison and you've been there, that was still very strange. But especially for the freshmen, so it wasn't. I, it's like it's weird to say like it wasn't right because it they didn't get to to have the full experience of what it is to start your first game as a Carolina player. 
But that said, uh, I would hope they maybe felt a little less pressure. And I think Mike makes a great point. I think it'll be easier for them to play on the road uh, because it won't be this hostile environment. Like they won't have what it's like to play at state your first time as a freshman. They won't have that. It's going to be different. So in, in a lot of ways, a lot of this is totally unknown. Um, and I feel sorry for certain parts of it that they won't experience. Um, but I can tell you that our coach brings enough enthusiasm and puts enough on them to, to guarantee you that mentally they were locked right in on what they were supposed to do, how they were supposed to play. And they would have had jitters enough just because they, you want to play well and do right by coach. So that definitely was going on, even though there's no fans to play in front of. Yeah, I thought they did well. Let's let's sort of look at, and I don't know really how to go out of first game, especially in 2020, but let's sort of look at maybe a couple of issues and then we'll end the show on a couple or a few bright spots. And, Brooke, I think one of the biggest issues this team might face, and, and I won't talk about it with you guys, is three-point shooting and a dynamic wing scorer, which at the moment, and granted it's very early, they do not appear to have it. Uh, we talked a little bit about Playtech off the air. Uh, Playtech got plenty of open looks tonight, two for nine, one for five. Uh, you know, social media is not kind to that type of performance. Um, but that being said, uh, on the court, Carolina's going to need to get some scoring out of that position, or at least out of the three-point shooting and out of the wing position. Where does it come from, from this team? How long does it take for Coach Williams to get that out of somebody? Um, you know, without question that, you know, looking at the stats where, you know, you could watch the game and, and see that we weren't um, very efficient from three, but uh, I think we're four for 18 from three. And, and a lot of those looks were, were pretty good looks. And, um, and even Playtech looked like he was hesitant to take a few of those and they were wide open and he even passed those up. I guess once he's, he missed a, a fair number, he didn't feel comfortable there. Um, but yeah, someone's going to have to be able to um, to step up and consistently knock down threes to to really open up uh, the strength of the team, which obviously is the big guys. I mean, the uh, um, Kessler Kessler obviously off the bench didn't play as much as many had thought, but golly, Sharp was a beast. Uh, Baycott had twelve and eight, uh, you know, with somewhat limited playing time, and Brooks had twelve rebounds, and you know, he didn't even play that great offensively. But um, he's going to be a stalwart all year, of course. But somebody's got to step up, whether it be Leaky Black or, you know, Johnson off the bench stepped in and, and puff and knocked down that, you know, three. He looked really good. But whether it be Walton or, you know, RJ and Love obviously have to, to be able to knock down shots as well. So I think it's going to be by committee. I don't think there's one guy in particular that's going to step up and, and be that, you know, 40% three-point shooter. But we need to do it uh, – as a group at, at a higher clip than obviously what we did tonight to be successful in the long run. Yeah, Dewey, uh, I tweeted during the game, who's going to take the big shot for Carolina, okay? Uh, last year, obviously, we know who did that. And when he wasn't on the court, um, we had the same discussion. A year before that, plenty of guys could do that. Um, rarely has Roy Williams not had a guy in that role from the outset. So how does that come along for this team? I mean. Leaky Black, Roy Williams said he's been sensational in practice. He's got to do it in the game eventually, and he's got to get some confidence in doing it in the game. Garrison is at the mercy of 
getting the ball in positions to score. Um, he's certainly mm-hmm. gotten better. Um, where does the the outside? I mean, does it, does it come from Love or R.J. Davis, um, whoever's playing off the ball there? How do you see it developing? And granted, the reason I ask these questions now and not in a normal season, because in a normal season they've got some games to build up to that or to ramp up to that. This this year's different um, with the condensed schedule, and, and so they got to find out in a hurry. So your take on where it comes from. My sense because of his natural gifts is that it's going to be R.J. Davis. I mean, you don't score the amount of points you score in high school if you're if you don't just have a knack for putting the ball in the basket. So I think as he understands the speed of the game, he needs to get stronger, right? He was getting bumped off the ball a lot and he's a little slight, but he's a freshman. He'll get stronger, but he'll also do better at absorbing that contact, finding his his spots. He doesn't wow you athletically, but he clearly has a knack for scoring. And and like I said, you don't score points like that in bunches in high school if you don't have this ability. So to me, limited sample size it's going to come from him because as we continue to develop our ability to score inside someone has to be able to knock down shots from the outside and to me he looks like the most naturally gifted shooter of the group if you look at the box score and you have four out of 17 from your two experienced perimeter players it's not good enough right it's just one game but it's flat out not good enough and so those guys are either going to have to make shots or it's going to come down to the freshmen. And look, I think Caleb is clearly is superior athletically and slashing his shot is a work in progress and he's going to go through ups and downs. He's going to have slumps where he shoots the ball very poorly and then have games where he shoots the ball. Well, but RJ to me is the one that seems to have the natural ability to do it both from what I've just been told and some of what you saw tonight. So uh, I think he has the ability to do some of the things we saw Marcus Page do young in his career, right? Kind of a similar build, similar knack for putting the ball in the basket, crafty, didn't wow you athletically, didn't jump out of the gym, but just knew how to play. And so he's the guy for me to answer your specific question. Yeah, I agree with that. Michael, do you agree with that? I mean, I, I love Caleb Love's game, uh, but he doesn't need to be the guy taking all the big shots. And if Davis can – can get those looks I I think looking at the roster I think he's the guy that I agree with Dewey would expect or at least for North Carolina's sake hopes that can knock it down anybody else you see stepping into that role at all Brooke I I don't at the moment I don't see a guy I mean we, we don't have a lot of guys to be quite honest with you aside from the two that we just mentioned that can really create their own in my opinion uh, on the perimeter, so it's got to be one of those two. In, in my, uh, with RJ, yeah, I agree with Dewey there. You know, Caleb, if he's got it with a head of steam or coming off a ball screen, getting to the rim kind of a thing, I, I think is another great option for us and setting somebody else up potentially. Um, but yeah, I agree with Dewey as far as RJ being a, a more natural, gifted, punches type scorer that could to take the big shot with that you know, the mindset. I think to take the big shot when needed. Yeah, and, and like y'all both mentioned, he certainly did it in high school. I mean, he scored a ton. It's sort of like Kobe White in high school. You know that he can put it in the basket. And I think Caleb Love, um, his game helps RJ accomplish that. Uh, I mean, he doesn't – he can handle everything else. RJ just needs to make some shots. One thing I do like seeing is 
uh, and we talked about this watching the game here at the house, you got to have a point guard that can make foul shots. And Caleb Love, eight for eight from the from the line. That's what I told, you know, mentioned Shimon Williams. I told my son, back in the day, Shimon shot 91%. That means if you're ahead five or six points late in the game and that guy's on the floor, the game's over uh, because they're going to put him there and he's going to knock them down. So to see Love go eight for eight, let me take a short second and talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They're our sponsors. Uh, they're great sales going on for Black Friday, um, which is tomorrow or the day after Thanksgiving, and then all leading up to Christmas. And Inside Carolina Premium subscribers get 10% off their order. Guys, you got to support local businesses. I would wager that Dewey and Michael Brooker both visited Johnny T-Shirt during their time at Carolina and probably uh, – partook of some of their sales and that's what we need to be doing as an inside Carolina community support them and and give your money to local that's what you need to do especially during 2020 and during this pandemic season all right back to the action let's talk about what everybody's going to be talking about after this one if they're not already and that's Dayron Sharp uh Dewey I texted you or I texted both of you guys and said this guy's a monster and Ben Sherman Hats off to the to the uh, elder statesman of the bunch. Ben said he's doing what he did in high school, and that's eat all the boards and then go after everything on the offensive end. Dewey, I thought he was just aggressive. I thought he, you know, he's a little he, he's a little awkward and a little unsure, you know, to start with. But man, he's going to be really good for Roy Williams. He is, and I agree with you. When when he first checked in and he was running up and down the court, I was like, ah, he's kind of not disheveled that's unfair but a little uh you know kind of working it out physically but man then when he gets around the rim and there's a ball anywhere in his vicinity or out it's his and one of the best gifts you can have as a rebounder is can you rebound outside of your area and boy he he's one of those guys it seems limited sample size it seems like he believes the ball is his we used to talk about that it's high praise but about Tyler Hansbrough, right? Even though he didn't have the longest arms and his will to believe that that ball was his was incredible and unmatched. And the way Dayron attacked the basketball off the glass, it, it reminds you of that. And I can tell you guys from Tyler having practiced with those guys, he said to us that he thinks Dayron has some MF in him. Hard to get better praise from the baddest MFR I ever saw in wear the jersey, <laughs> the way he played anyway, to say that about a freshman. There you go. Yeah, and it's interesting, Michael, when you're looking at Sharp and, and, Bay, and Baycott, they're, Baycott's 12 and 8, and you're like, oh, yeah, 12 and 8. Sharp's 13 and 10, which is not exceptionally better, but we're talking about he looked like a monster. I mean, just two different type games. Uh, I'd know one thing, and I'll say this. Baycott better bring it every night because if he doesn't, then Sharp's going to get a ton of minutes. Your thoughts on the those two bigs? Uh, and, and I want to talk about Kessler, but it's specifically Sharp and Baycott, um, how their games sort of are similar, but I think also very different. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that Baycott's going to have to continue to – I mean, I think it may end up helping him out to be even more efficient on the court and, and play harder when he's out there just because he knows he's got that <laughs> – he, 
sharp on the bench or, you know, breathing down his neck to, to eat, eat, eat a lot of his minutes. And he did tonight some, obviously, just by the way he came in and played. And as Dewey said, you know, he kind of looked early on like gangly a little bit. I don't know, kind of like Desmond Hubert as far as the way, you know, obviously extremely athletic and run, you know, but just looked kind of awkward. But, man, one, once he got near the basket and started – like he said, rebounding outside of his area, just anything on the off the rim was his and um, bothering shots and stepping out and hedging. I mean, you could tell, obviously, he's a different animal. And, um, yeah, Baycott, obviously, with 12 and 8 was, was, was very strong. And those two guys, I think, are going to be a great, um, you know, great compliment to Brooks. And then, you know, obviously, you said we'll talk about Keshin a little bit. But, I mean, to have those types of – uh, that type of talent at those three spots, those two spots is, is definitely a luxury and, and one I think that we can continue to really uh, emphasize throughout the course of the year. And I know Coach will because um, he loves the two post guys so uh, system. So um, very impressive debut, um, and very solid game from Baycott as well. So um, that's definitely something that's promising, I think, moving forward um, as we get closer to ACC play. You know, you know, it's interesting, Tommy. I was going to say, if you had never watched us play the last couple of years and you not, you just watched this game fresh, you would have said, man, number 15 is your worst big. Absolutely. And he's right? your preseason player of the year. It's your preseason player of the year. And if you didn't know that or anything, you would have said, man, that freshman they brought off the bench is an animal. That sophomore they started, he looked really good. He looked polished. He made a couple of nice post moves, had some good rebounds. And man, he brought that seven footer off the bench and he's smooth and he had a couple buckets. Who's 15? He kind of struggled. Nice problem to have. I mean, it speaks to the depth that we we thought we had. And again, it's we're gonna keep saying it's one game, but you know, I certainly think, you know, go ahead. Sorry. I, I certainly think that um it is a good problem to have. My question for you, Dewey, knowing Roy Williams, is how do you manage those guys? I mean, because look. Kessler gets in for six minutes or whatever he played. I'm looking at it uh, four minutes. That dude looked good. I mean, just in his brief time, you've got four bigs. You got to somehow feed them all, keep them happy. You've got ACC preseason player of the year. Good problem to have, but still could be a problem figuring out how to get all those minutes for those. How does it work? I feel confident in saying that there is no way we're going to get through this season without either injury or – covid mandatory quarantine so if it was a normal year you say geez yeah tommy it's, it might be kind of tough how do you keep the kids happy you worry about transfer stuff blah 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 but there's just no way that one of the four of them doesn't either get covid or get hurt so unfortunately so um that's gonna i bet kind of take care of itself and coach loves to play three bigs right you think back in teams in the past Go all the way back, right? Sean, Jawad, Marvin, um, and then the championship team, Tyler, Dion, and, and it ended up just being Ed because he got hurt, right? He's had really good success with rotating three bigs. And so obviously tonight the odd man out was was Kessler getting the least minutes. So, um, you know, what does that tell you? That, that tells you that uh, either he's been hurt or the other three guys were the best performers in practice. And they are in the minutes. So, um, and we didn't even talk about foul trouble either, right? And there's also going to be foul trouble. So I just think the there's too many things against any coach in this season to think that you have too much depth. 
Um, so I think it'll work itself out. Yeah, it's funny. Before the football season, everybody talked about how Carolina's defensive backs were going to be the deepest team, you know, the deepest position on the team, and then they're playing guys that had never played before, you know, in week three or four. So you're right. There's going to be a lot of issues. Um, COVID's going to be a factor. Without question, it's going to be a factor yeah. this season. And uh, it's a good problem to have. Uh, yeah. Bad problems, you got to have wing shooters. You need to get some three-point shooters. Depth is going to be good. You've got some – Roy Williams, and you see the way Caleb Love plays and you see the way R.J. Davis plays. I mean, those guys put their bodies on the line at the guard position. Um, so that's going to be an issue. Michael, looking at this game and as we wrap this podcast, give me your final takeaways. I mean, you coach ball. Uh, you know how first games of seasons can be. Just sort of, uh, sort of wrap it up from your perspective, what you saw with Carolina's 19-point win against College of Charleston. I think obviously early on, just people trying to 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 find their role. So many new parts to to integrate into the system that, and it's just tough. I think to you know, and you got some guys coming in like Johnson and and Walton, and you know that it's tough to get in a rhythm in two or three minutes. But they, you know, they're they're young and they probably haven't earned any more minutes at the moment. So it, you know. I think there was a little bit of hesitancy from some guys and just it wasn't, you know, um, very smooth offensively at times. Um, after the 16-2 start, obviously things kind of bogged down a little bit. Um, but all in all, obviously, we, we know the uh, second half was much better. Once they took the lead, I mean, I thought they really answered well. What, 23-3 run at one point? Uh, started going inside out more, started going offensive, re you know, really attacking the glass offensively. And things kind of settled down offensively. Uh, the minutes kind of were um, more dispensed how you might see him in a, in a normal game as opposed to the first half where he was just trying to get a lot of guys in and uh, get a feel for their first game. So, you know, I like to build off of, but like you said, wing, wing scoring is going to be a, a continued uh, focus that, that needs to, to be there to play against some of these, you know, the Virginias and the Dukes and the Louisvilles. That's going to have to be there. Uh, we can't rely on the inside guys at all, you know, all the time. So uh, I feel confident they're they're going to be there consistently. But the the perimeter shooting has to 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 have an uptick, and I think it will. But uh, how much is going to be the answer, and how 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 far will that take us? I think ultimately be um, the tell for this season. Yeah, and I, I think, and like I said earlier, you got to get worked out in a hurry because the season yeah. ramps up. Uh, it looks like seven guys over 20 minutes tonight. I, Dewey, I think that's a game plan going, you know, for the entire season. If if Coach Williams can do that and and win ball games, and before I let it slide, uh, Caleb Love plus minus 15, Daron Sharp plus minus 18, Andrew Playtex plus minus plus 27. Dewey, you're like <laughs> you're is is you know, ball doesn't lie. Certainly, it doesn't make it's uh, it is what it is, but do your rap on this one, yeah. Well, and to the point about Playtech, who takes a beating on social media and earns some of it because uh, it's hard when somebody who's supposed to be a shooter not just misses shots but misses shots that look like they never had a chance, right? And so that is why he he gets the wrath of the message boards, uh, somewhat unfairly. Um, uh, but he's he's got those minutes for a reason, right? Because if he didn't. Uh, forget about coach's loyalty thing, by the way, because that always held true when you were coming off a 30 and six season. Mm -hmm. And then the, the junior is just, they stunk, right? So forget about that. 
Playtech has earned the minutes. He wouldn't have been playing as much as he played tonight if he hadn't. He had a number of steals. He made the right play a bunch of times. He was all over the place defensively. Does he need to shoot better? Yes. Do we hope he can? Yes. But his plus minus, it's not the end all be all stat, but his plus minus was great. So let's give the guy a break. He's trying hard. It's not like he wants to miss, right? He wants to make them. So just just a, a sidebar on him. Let's give the guy a chance. Um, and then as a wrap, look, things you're happy about, offensive rebounding, free throw shooting, how Sharp played, how both the freshman guards played. Glad they're both not hurt. Caleb Love scared the hell out of us on that fall. Um, Garrison's going to be fine. Uh, things you're worried about, three-point shooting, the fact that they let Charleston – get back in that game and take the lead and then step on their throat. Tommy, you and I have talked about that for years. When we don't do that, it drives us insane. Uh, when you're clearly better, more talented, more gifted, and you let a team hang around. Uh, but how nice that we had a game to watch. So that's the biggest thing. Is, and how nice for the guys they had a game to play and coach had a game to coach and all of those things. So something to build from and they'll have a happy Thanksgiving and uh, play better competition in the Maui Invitational. Yeah, folks need to relax, take a step back, and think about what you just said. On both occasions, one, Playtech plays because Roy Williams thinks he should play. And uh, he does some things. And, you know, if, if everybody made shots, um, then there'd be a lot of max contracts in the pros. Um, but Playtech has his role, and Roy Williams thinks he's a valuable guy. Who knows what happens when Anthony Harris comes back? We'll see. That's just another guy to the mix. But anyway, and then part two, folks need to be happy that there's a college basketball to watch because since, what was it, March 12th or whenever it all went in the toilet, there hadn't been. And uh, so that's a good thing, whether it's a Carolina game or any college basketball game. Uh, learn to appreciate what you're seeing, not for what they can do uh, for you, but the fact that they get to play and follow their dreams on it. Kind of corny, but it is – it could be a lot, lot worse. Post-game podcast, I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Dewey Burke, Michael Brooker, a little disjointed. You know, it takes us a while to get back in the groove, too. Kind of kind of sloppy early, but it came together, boys. I appreciate y'all taking the time to join me. We will talk hopefully uh, at least 27 times, or 26 more times in the regular season and then beyond. Thanks, Dewey. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, Tommy. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.